0: what's up everybody this is another episode of rudin revelation podcast where we seek to make god's revelation our foundation in all of life so before we introduce our special guest one of our previous guests that was on our show that did the aliens ufos and the paranormal episode somehow became a host of our show because me and nick impulsively called him and asked if he wanted to be one and he said sure so we're super blessed to have um our new friend um, who's also a pastor um we it's nice to have some more perspectives on our show especially Colin's so we're pretty excited about him so without further ado Colin what's up how you doing and uh if you want to introduce yourself as a host now of Rooted in Revelation
1: sure yeah I will add that just as you impulsively asked me (laughs) I also impulsively said sure so we'll see whether or not that was a good decision Um, But no, I'm excited to be on the podcast with you all. Um, Apologetics is something that um, I've spent a lot of time studying and thinking about. I went to a seminary that put a heavy emphasis on apologetics. Um, So I definitely am excited about the purpose of this podcast. Um, And I'm excited to participate in in it with you guys.
0: Yeah, we're super hyped for it. Oh, yeah. And if you just heard Nick, Nick's here too. So yeah, what's up, Nick?
2: Nothing, just hanging out.
0: Nice. Okay, yeah, well, without further ado, our special guest um, is Jack Marino. How you doing?
3: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Yeah, we're excited for you to be here. We're looking forward <laughs> to hearing your story. So well, I guess we'll just hop right in, Colin. If you want to go ahead and just kind of get the ball rolling, we'll see where it goes.
1: Yeah, uh, Jack, I had um, the privilege of listening to um, the interview you did, I think, with one of your pastors um, on YouTube earlier this week, and uh, I thought your story was fascinating. Um, Most of all, um, your your testimony is one of um, God's grace delivering you out of darkness some very dark places. Um, We'll probably get into some of this as... Uh, we get into the podcast, but our stories kind of overlap in some areas. But um, just take us back to the beginning. Um, It it looks like you were into the New Age, some esoteric forms of Freemasonry. Uh, But uh, as you and I know, that doesn't just happen overnight. (laughs) Um, So where does your story begin? When, When did you really begin to get into the new age. When did you begin to feel some spiritual connection with, with these dark forces? Mm.
3: Well, I was actually raised quote unquote in the church when I was young. Um, but my parents ended up separating when I was around five because my dad um had drug and alcohol addictions. And so we were going to a Methodist church, but when they separated, my mom and I stopped going to church. And um, so I had this very small concept of who Jesus is, that he is Lord, but I didn't have any firm biblical grounding. I didn't really have an understanding of the gospel. And so even though I thought I believed in Jesus, I thought I was a Christian there was no real biblical understanding of who the true Jesus is. And around that um, time, when my parents separated, I was sexually abused um, by someone close to me, which led to me acting out, being very confused, and just having a lot of secrets, feeling very isolated because of the abuse and because of the aftermath of it and the ways that I responded to it. And around that time, I started to have these experiences where I would see what I first believed were angels of my dad's friends who'd passed away from addiction because they felt so familiar. They were lights in the sky that that now I would say were like the orb kind. Um, but to me, they felt like my friends. I was so young that they just felt so familiar, like this deep spiritual familiarity. And I really clung to that. I felt very isolated from everyone else because of the secrets and the shame. But when I would have these experiences, I felt special and understood. And I later was talking to someone, found out about aliens and UFOs and thought, oh, well, that must be what that was then, and so at a young age, I felt special because of my experience with what I thought were aliens, and that kind of um, led me to have this deeply ingrained identity in well, I'm special because I have this deep, like nostalgic feeling bond with these entities that um, that I didn't want to let go of, and. Um, As I got older, there was also another experience where I was just lying all the time, even though I was so young. Um, And I believe that there was, at the time I believed it was um, the devil, but now I think it was a demon, just kind of Mm -hmm. calling me to go down a certain, like the wrong path. And I kind of told myself, well, I'm a Christian and but I want to do what I want to do. So I'm going to kind of go down this path for now. And then I'll go back to doing the right thing or being who I really am later. And that trajectory, even though it was such a quick thing that happened in my life, it was something that stuck with me and, um, my life kind of followed down that trajectory.
1: Wow. Yeah, I, um, I had a friend who, she, I think she had some abuse in her background as well. And I think around the age of 10 to 11, I can't remember how she got into witchcraft. And again, she formed some connection with an entity. And about 10 years ago, she opened up to my wife and I about it. And that led to a very disturbing evening because it was clear the entity was still around. Um, but one thing that we kept um, going through with her is, is she didn't want the entity to leave because of how special it made her mm. feel. And that that is something that I think people who haven't been there, who haven't been in that headspace, haven't been in in that kind of bondage, they they don't understand that and it really is a counterfeit gospel, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because you have this union with this spiritual entity that feels like it gives you meaning, feels like it, it gives you an identity, um, it makes you special. Um, so yeah, I think that is a common thread that you do see, especially in people who get wrapped up with the occult at, at a young age. There is, there is that sense of feeling like you're special Or you're chosen. Um, When, when this demon showed up, was that more in your teenage years?
3: Um, I was probably around eight, seven or eight. So still very young. Um, But I'm so glad that you said that about the feeling special and chosen because um, as this progressed throughout my life, that was one really thing that kept me in bondage is the the, almost like a love, but more of this connection um, that was a lie, but I was so deceived by that.
1: Yeah, and I think oftentimes, you know, this is an apologetics-oriented podcast. Um, we focus a lot on the intellectual side of defending the faith or seeking to expose error, um, but we have to recognize there's an emotional side too. Um, that, yeah, we, we can talk about um, the, the philosophical inadequacies of monism, which is what all new age philosophy is basically rooted in. Um, but I think what we often miss is there is that emotional side. And it's not that we want to in any way make someone feel justified in that. But we want to be sensitive to it and understand that very often there's baggage that they're bringing into their experience right. and their experience with whatever it is, whether it's contact with an entity or meditation, these other things, um, it's filling a hole that is within them. Um, and likewise, when we present the gospel uh, to people who are in these bondages, the, the relational side of the faith, um, the, the reality of our union with Christ, all of these things, can be powerful in answering um, right? that need within them. Um, so you, you um, had these experiences with lights in the sky. Did anybody else, just, just out of curiosity, did anybody else ever see them? Or was this just a very subjective thing with you? Not saying that that doesn't mean it didn't happen, but right. did other people see them too?
3: Yes. When I got older, um, when I was like in my twenties, there were other people seeing it. Um, but I don't think so when I was very young,
1: when you were young. Okay. So from, from being a, um, young girl, um, what then happened in your teenage years? Um, go ahead. (coughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> so I just can't really continue down that path of rebellion and no one knowing who I really was except for this connection that I had. I just had a lot of anguish inside um, when I was, you know, around that seven-ish age. I got a call that my abuser was caught abusing someone that was a toddler. And so he was sent away. Um, He wasn't an adult, which caused a lot like even more confusion, but um, he was sent away and I was um, confronted by my mom, like did anything ever happen? And at that point I was so afraid that I was going to be found out um, from what had been happening and the ways that I'd been acting out that I told myself that if I just never thought about it again, then it would I could create my own reality and live in my own reality. It seemed way too painful and heavy to, to actually face it. So instead I just told myself, I will just never think about this again. No one will ever know. I will never tell this. And, um, that's what I tried to do. So going throughout my life from that point on, I just suppressed it, tried to never think about it. If I'd ever think about it, I would feel panic and push it down. This whole time my dad And I were very close, but he was either in um, the hospital or in rehab or in a halfway house or back in the hospital. So um, I felt a very strong responsibility to him because since I was very young, um, he told me, you know, I was his reason for living. And, um, and I took that to be genuinely true. I thought that that's what love was, is when someone is your whole entire life and your reason for living. And so I had very unhealthy ideas of what a relationship is, what love is. And growing up, my friendships were just extremely unhealthy and ungodly. And just looking for love in any way that I could, trying to fill this hole, trying to escape myself, honestly, It didn't take long until I, I just didn't even know who I was because of suppressing the memories, lying, being one way around some people and another around other people. But I always told myself that I would never drink or do drugs because I love my dad and I know he loved me and seeing that he just seemed to have no control over this. um, I never wanted that to happen. And so a big part of What I wanted to do was never drink or do drugs. But when I got to um, high school, I already had started cutting myself. And I, I was just, I was so unhappy and uncomfortable in my skin. I just wanted to escape myself and forget and just be out of my body. And when I got into high school, my friend, my best friend who was like my identity, joined the cheer team. And so I joined the cheer team and my friends started drinking and doing drugs and I stopped being invited around because I didn't do that. And obviously looking back, like, it seems like, oh, that, well, that doesn't matter. But in that time, my whole worth was in relationships with people and the thought of losing my friend seemed like, well, this is my only escape. This is, this is all that I have. Um, And even though I still would have said I was a Christian, God was so, Merciful and kind throughout my life to continuously um, just send people in my life. I went to Awana. Um, I had Christians around me actually sharing the truth with me, but I I love my sin. I wanted to rebel. I didn't. I kept telling myself I will do the right thing later. But I want to. I love my sin right now. This is what I want. And one day I'll deal with all of this issue <laughs> in me. Um, but I, I just can't do that right now. Um, And so I finally got to the point where I was losing my friends and I just thought, you know, it's not worth it. And so it started with me stealing painkillers and then uppers and then marijuana. And then finally, I just got to the point where I realized if I didn't drink, that was the one thing that was my dad's biggest issue. But I knew that if I didn't do it, like I was just going to lose. It wasn't enough. So I still remember the first time I drank, it was like a water bottle of green apple Smirnoff and I drank a lot of it and I obviously felt it with other substances. It it was like, do I feel this? Do I not? But obviously drinking a, a lot of alcohol, it was an immediate relief and I knew that I'd made a huge mistake because that was like all of my... Memories were gone. The anguish was gone. I was finally had this false sense of relief and freedom and, but also a fear of, I never want to feel any other way. And so from, instead of identities and people, now my identity and my whole desire was just to escape myself with substances. And that's what I continued doing through high school yeah
1: it um it it sounds like would you say it's fair that um um, in light of the abuse that you experienced and i'm very sorry that you went through all of that at such a young age um it is a an issue as a pastor that i've spent some time studying and, and learning how to minister to people who've been through various abusive situations. But would you fair, say it's fair to say that when you pressed that down, when you suppressed the knowledge of what happened to you, in a sense, you are muting who you are because that did happen to you. And then you go looking for an identity in something else because mm-hmm. then you, you don't know who you are because you're lying to yourself or suppressing you know, the memories of what happened. And it started off with friends and then it moved to substances, right? Yes. Um, And uh, it's interesting. I read a study that was done that that basically did argue that with addiction, a lot of the times it is rooted in deep relational issues. Like when people say alcohol is my best friend or whatever, um, it might sort of sound like a, okay, I'm just saying that, but there might be more truth truth to that than we often let on. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I I think this is where our stories begin to intersect because I had um, issues relationally with other kids growing up, was made fun of a lot, all of that. And when I got into high school, the same thing with alcohol, but especially marijuana, put me in that place where I can relate to you're saying that you know i I never not want to feel this way um and yeah these bondages can be they they can have a strong hold on us Mm -hmm. um and they are much more spiritual than we often admit um can i can i ask a question about that colin yeah
2: go ahead go ahead nick so you two I'm just watching, for those of you that can't see the the video, you guys are just talking the same language right now. And I don't know that um, people like me, maybe Nate, other viewers, uh, are tracking to the same extent on the same level as you guys. So um, Jack and Colin, I guess it's kind of like when you're in these places of, um, you know, you feel like you have to compromise to fit in you're going through social difficulties and all these things. Um, Would you say that the temptation to move towards spiritual entities is simply amplified by the loneliness of that? Or is there another spiritual component with everything else that somebody like me may be missing out on from your perspective?
1: I would say it is... the the desire to, again, either feel special, feel like you have a connection to something greater than yourself. Um, You can't trust people. So you're looking for something that you can trust, someone that you can trust. And so when you're dead in your trespasses and sins, um, right? you don't have the ability to repent and believe in Christ apart from the spirit of God working in your heart, Um, but you're still made in God's image. So those categories are still within you and you're looking for something else to meet that category. Um, and so, right, I mean, it can be making an idol out of friendships, the idol of substances, or literally seeking out communion with, with demons. Um, you know, that, that's what we do in our flesh, in our fallen state, is, is we're looking for something else to, to fill that within us. Um, Jack, would you agree with that?
3: Yes. And a huge draw for me was this deep desire to create my own reality, to kind of control my own reality, live in a fantasy of making my own life. And that was very much tied into these entities and just the, it really felt like an allure, like I was allured to them, a deep pull to this Um, like almost, I knew it was forbidden, but I wanted it. And, um, that came with the promise almost that I could create my own reality and I could rewrite my story and that I could have control. And so just having that power through these entities, I was special to them. Um, and that made me powerful and therefore I could control and create my own reality. And, um, it was also in high school that I started reading the book *The Secret* by Rhonda Byrne, which talks a lot about the law of attraction and the universe, and that everything that you need is inside of you, and you can you can have anything that you dream, anything that your heart desires. And that was so attractive to me because I did not like my life or my reality. So um, that power that these entities promised, and that and that these more new age or occult ideals mm-hmm. promised um, was very attractive to me
0: yeah it's interesting thank you. I, I was oh sorry nick Well, oh, oh okay i'm gonna talk now uh i was gonna say that's interesting you brought up the book the secret and as soon as you said that i was like ah, uh, like so um i i also had a really bad drug addiction you know, similar, you know, my mom passed when I was 13. And from that point on, I was trying to do similarly, kind of what both you and Colin are saying, and trying to find identity and friends. And later, I, you know, I found drugs. And I was like, Oh, wow, this actually kind of pushes away the pain and kind of I can suppress it. And that was my same experience as well. But you know, there's a time when I was in drug and alcohol rehabilitation center, a 30 day program, and that was one of the things they that we were like learning how to cope with, like getting sober was like they I remember watching a law of attraction, like the secret, like DVD. Mm. And there's like this kid, like that really wanted this bicycle or something. And they're just like you just keep saying it and believe that you actually have it, and then you get it and have it or whatever. And I was like, Man, like that's awesome, you know. And uh I think I went like to the gym. This is a little random, but like I kind of use the law of attraction, like a test case and actually made two half court shots with basketball, like just believing that it would go. And it actually happened two times in a row. And it was like, super weird, I thought. <laughs> um, and that's kind of a weird example. But like, I was like, man, this stuff like, is legit. Like, and then I started kind of getting into like, a lot of that stuff. Like, like, my counselor was like doing tarot cards with us. And like, you know, Ouija board, all that stuff. So like, yeah, as, as much as I didn't realize my own story would kind of overlap with both of yours, it's just kind of like, wow. Yeah, like that stuff is very, even in trying to get people clean, that was a thing they that they use and push you towards as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um,
1: Jack, um, w- at what point then did you transition from so I'm guessing this entity continued to make itself known to you during this whole period when you got into partying and, and drugs and alcohol, um, was, was that presence still with you?
3: Yes. Um, may I say something about the secret really quickly? Yes. Um, the law of attraction, I'm glad that you said that about it working because it's, to me seems almost like a gateway into the occult because it's totally the same thing. I was recently looking back at the secret and it amazed me that um, eventually when I get further in just what happened in my life, the secret, which seems so like it's at Barnes and Noble, but what it is, is watered down ritual magic. And it just amazes me how the enemy, like it reminds me of Luke four, when Satan's tempting Jesus and it what the law of attraction talks about us having this magnetic force and we are the most powerful thing in the universe. Our thoughts create our reality. One, it makes us God, which is really enticing. It's like the lie that led to the fall, but also it just amazed me looking back that what it's promising is so, um, it's just vanity. Like, there's nothing really to it, but it feeds into our flesh. And a lot of things in magic, in the law of attraction, work and it draws people in. But it's if God calls sorcery, like, and those who practice it an abomination, it's not God's not the one granting what you want. So, it just amazes me, but I think it's important that there are spiritual forces at work, that it's, this isn't, yes, it is real, but it's really bad. Um, But as I, I'm sorry.
1: Oh, it's okay. You know, I'm glad that you actually did touch on that, because I did want to ask you whether or not you felt as if the law of attraction um, is sort of the base level of magical practices that's what i've come to understand right we, we think of magic and we think of harry potter
0: mm-hmm. with
1: these wands with lightning bolts coming out of them right that's the very uh pop culture materialistic understanding of what it is but what it actually is is this whole philosophy that your thoughts create reality because thoughts are at the basis of reality it's a it's an idealistic mm-hmm. framework of understanding the world um, and in one sense, we can say there's some legitimacy to that because God's thoughts create reality, but God is sovereign. Um, mm-hmm. he, he spoke the universe into existence and upholds it by his word. Um, but what ends up happening with, with the law of attraction and magic is you're flipping that over where you're seeking to become, I mean, it's literally Genesis three. It's the lie right. of Genesis three perpetuating itself, um, so that's good you, you were about to say something else um or did did no. you <laughs> so so back to your your um testimony uh so when did you really start to get into um the new age and the occult as like a lifestyle you, you started to you know read about the law of attraction where did it progress from there and how did it progress
3: So I don't have a strong memory of um, those actual like experiences with these entities which to me were aliens at that time. It was more building this belief system that I was just giving more and more away of what I the very small amount that I knew of Christianity and I was just a mess in high school and I ended up dating someone who lived on a native American reservation. And he started talking about aliens and new age spirituality, which I didn't know was that at the time, but I immediately connected with him because finally someone believed what I believed um, and also had this other knowledge that was different than Christianity. And I felt like I was really awakening to this more um, enlightened Understanding of the world and how to view it. And we dated for a couple years. It was very physically abusive and just abusive in general. But again, he was my entire identity. And we ended up breaking up. And I didn't even know who I was when we broke up. Before I didn't, but now it was even worse. I was at school up in. Pomona and I just really went down again. Um, I had developed an eating disorder in eighth grade and I I was just a really unhealthy mess. And, um, during this time I tried the hard, hard drugs, um, heroin and meth. And I just, I, it didn't even seem like a big deal at the time because of where I was in my life. And, I still at that time would have said I was a Christian. And that just amazes me. I, I genuinely believed I was. If you had told me that I wasn't, I would have been offended because I did believe in Jesus. But I, the Jesus that I believed in was not the Jesus of the Bible. And I just always want to remember that because so many people say they believe in Jesus, but it's not, there's there's one Jesus. Um, but after we broke up, I got into a relationship with a man who was a drug dealer and also um, was very new age. The first time that we met, he felt very familiar in that same really eerie nostalgic way. And I immediately felt this deep connection with him, like some kind of weird, not ancient, but I don't really have the word for the feeling. And um, just immediately became attached to him. And he started really introducing me to more like truly new age um, beliefs. And just that the universe, like we're all connected through the universe. We're all one, God is all, all is God. And I started doing psychedelics with him and really just started um, losing the plot. Like my, I started losing my, my grip with reality at all. Um, he was a DJ at the time, and at first it was in the nightclubs, but then it turned into the more Burning Man type of festivals, where before we we had the belief system of New Age beliefs, um, but when we started going to these festivals, we started doing magic work with crystals and getting more into still doing psychedelic drugs, but doing them to have some sort of awakening or have some sort of experience. Um, and just at these festivals, I really wanted to be accepted and fit in, but I felt that my Christian dogma, or I believed that my Christian dogma was holding me back because um, reading in the Bible now about just the pagan orgies, like that is going on now in the desert. And, seeing that but I I couldn't do it the Lord graciously gave me restraint but I felt like I couldn't be a free spirit and that it was I actually couldn't be free because my Christian beliefs were holding me back from like awakening into this higher being and that really um hurt me but because of my deep longing to be accepted also that relationship was very abusive and um yeah it was just bad so that's where in, in that relationship, I really just kind of let go of Christianity and thought, okay, well that, that was actually dumb for lack of better words or dull, or just not like that it was ignorant. And that now I'm up here, I have awakened into this being that's higher and in, in, in touch with my higher self. And I started having very real, um, interactions with these, um, orbs mainly, and which I just learned that word. So I'm like, orbs, but they were the, you know, more like an energy light. And in those experience, there, there are people there that saw them and that freaked out. So I had that bef- I had that kind of outer, like, okay, this is real. I am losing my mind, but, but this actually happened. Um, and so, in that relationship, I really lost touch with even my whatever grip of reality I had left and just kind of went, went off.
1: Yeah. Um, the, the orb thing is (laughs) actually quite, quite common. Um, on the previous podcast I did with with Nate and Nick, um, we, we talked a lot about the UFO disclosure movement. And there's actually a man that I've spoken with who's quite close to Tom DeLonge and some of these other guys um, who've been pushing UFOs into the mainstream. And that's actually something he's known for, um, which is why he got plugged in with, with Tom DeLonge and people in the intelligence agencies is that on his property, he has these orbs showing up all the time. Mm. Um, I have videos of them on my phone he sent me. Um, and similar thing, he came from a Christian background. Um, but, you know, now there is that sense of losing losing touch, right? Uh, beginning to think you're living in the matrix or something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, very disassociated with reality. Um, so all of these things are commonalities with with occult experiences. It's what I tell people is, you know, that the gateway is the experience with the entity or the UFO or the ghost or whatever. Before you know it, you are full on losing touch with reality, um, adopting the most extreme Gnostic and Eastern views of of the nature of reality. And initially it seems so exhilarating. It seems so enlightening. And then it's like being led down a dark alley, where the, the, more, the more you think you're getting answers, the more questions you have. And nice. then the questions you have, um, you're running out of gas in the tank because you're losing answers. And you, you can end up very quickly in a place of nihilism um, as, right, as the experience overwhelms you in that way. Um,
3: exactly (laughs) yes
1: yeah and it's funny too I I was this will incriminate me but I was just you know I I was a drug dealer as well at the end of high school and that's when I got thoroughly into all of this stuff Hmm. Um, so so much of all of these cultures whether it's Burning Man the drug culture all of these things with the new age they all interpenetrate and that is what is concerning to me now, um, since I left that that life behind in about 2004, is how mainstream all of this is becoming. Yes. Right? It's the Silicon Valley, you know, entrepreneurs going out to Burning Man.
3: Yes.
1: Um, psychedelic therapy, all of these things, people don't even bat an eye about it. And, um, you know, we, we know where it leads.
3: Right. Right
1: so um from from there your your desire to actually um how do i put it get become like a new age doctrinaire someone that's actually involved with with organized occult activity um if i remember from your interview with your pastor that was sort of the next step right yes um, Okay, so what what happened there?
3: Well, I'm so glad that you said everything you just said because um, it's just so true. And it amazes me how um, just deluded we get when we follow our own wicked way and even just the scriptures that talk about um, just us being taken over by a strong delusion. Um, And it's so true because I well, one, I think the law of attraction when you have to believe that you already have it and it teaches you to live in like a delusion and then that just carries out to its end. But so as I'm in this um, really being deceived like doctrines of demons and just in, in lawlessness, um, I, that, that boyfriend and I ended up breaking up in a very ugly way. Um, it was a very manipulative relationship and I just snapped. Um, I mean, I was, I was always a mess, but I really was like, I, I hate my life. Like my dad was in homelessness and just, I, I was, I was like, I need control. This is not working for me. And this um, holding back from this power, because I had experienced physical manifestations that there is like some dark power in the occult and I just I didn't see a point in in listening to the the conscience that I had left that wasn't seared I just was like you know what I I'm gonna go into this and so um I was already really I believe that I was possessed because I remember looking in the mirror and just like my blood running cold in fear because I didn't recognize whatever was behind my eyes. Um, at that time I'd been asking for these beings that I love so much to enter my body and see through my eyes. So um, even though I'm not surprised at the time, it, it just didn't seem like a evil thing to do. I just like thought that that was good. Um, but I started getting scared and my, my dreams or my, the lucid dreaming, the astral projection, just the, the things that I was experiencing, the supernatural things were more real to me than my waking life. And so I just really like did not see the line. The line was so blurred between reality and a trip. Everything felt like a trip. And I had just moved to Hollywood and was just in a studio apartment in Hollywood when that snapping happened and i just started being led um by this entity it wasn't like a specific entity at that time it was just this feeling of like following the signs every number was a sign every sound like if i heard a helicopter it meant one thing and a horn it meant another like everything was i was being talked to through signs um and did
1: you um did did you also feel as if when other people talk to you that whatever their conscious purpose was for saying certain things to you, that something else was communicating through them.
3: Mm-hmm. At that least at it. times.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um,
3: I was very paranoid. Like I I thought everyone was, um, like there was, it was like everyone wasn't on a joke and I could almost hear laughing and I, it was just a bad time. Um, and, Following these signs led me to ancient Egyptian mystery schools, sacred geometry, really into crystals and magic and tarot and um, astral projection and really training myself to wake up in my dreams, to have lucid dreams. Um, And then I started getting into, at at that point, um, there was this Egyptian deity called Thoth, and I was like, I really believed that this entity was leading me and things would glow to me. Like it just, everything was like this weird dream, but um, it really did lead me to the next thing and it all made sense. But I I, I was freaked out um, and I, yeah, I, I don't even know what I would have said at that point. I think I said I was pagan, but I was still trying to cling on to, I do believe in Christ, but now it's Christ consciousness. Like I am ascending to become Christ. We're all Christ. So I was always trying to cling on to Jesus, which I think a lot of religions and false just cults obviously do, but there's no, there's no reality there because it's not actually Jesus and, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that that was um, w- when I was in the midst of, I guess, my new age delusions. Um, there was a book on contacting the Palladians. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's uh, supposedly a positive angelic like alien race. Right. And they yeah. have all sorts of mythology about Jesus. And um, yeah, I remember being like, oh, yeah, I'm, a- I'm all about Jesus just as I am about Krishna and mm-hmm. write all these other avatars. Um, so yeah, you, you think you know him, but it's a false Christ. That's right. Yeah.
3: And I was like absolutely obsessed with Orion. It, that's where this deep familiarity feeling, it had actually been there from my childhood, but now it was making sense because I learned Orion's deeply tied with ancient Egyptian mythology and then these deities that I'm being led by. And so everything just started to make sense to me. And, and I love what you said about like, the more I learned, the less I knew. And it was just this exhaust, like I was drinking, but I was just becoming thirstier. Like nothing was satisfying me and it was exhausting. Um, but basically, I just got very deep into that following this entity until um, I, on the back of my Thoth tarot cards, there was the name of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. And I had read some of Aleister Crowley. I really felt like enticed to him. It, it was Like, it seemed like that was the way I was supposed to go, but I knew he was known as the most wicked man. And I told myself all the magic I was doing was light magic and just trying to create some sort of morality where there is none. Um, But so I told myself, well, I shouldn't join that because he was part of this. And even though he made these tarot cards and I'm using them, like, it just didn't make sense. But for a while, I tried to go other ways. I tried the Rosicrucians and just trying to find the right fit. The whole time I was going, like all these signs are leading me. And it was just so real. Um, that's just like the spiritual realm is so Mm -hmm. real. And, um, I ended up finally just being like, okay, I just keep being led right back here. So I need to go forward. I met with a man who, um, I, I reached out to them and there wasn't an, a chapter where I was. So I met with a man and everything that he was talking about that, that they did was exactly what I'd been led to, to study. And so I was like, this just makes so much sense. This, this is my destiny. This is my fate. This is what I'm supposed to do. And so he told me to meet him at a Freemason lodge in, um, in LA. And so even on the way there, I was so excited. I really like, I, I wasn't thinking like, I don't, I don't know Jesus. I thought I knew Jesus. I wasn't thinking I'm going to go do some, you know, voodoo. I was thinking this is good. I'm enlightening. So I just, I think that's so important because I think the misconception can be that I thought I was like this dark witch and I was into that, which is true for some people, but I, I was justifying why I could be right before the Lord and do these things. Um, and so, I drove there listening to Disney music and just feeling like this is my destiny. Um, I was initiated into this order in that Freemason Lodge. And even though it was like it's scary, um, it was like I'd been being prepared for it. So it just made so much sense. And um so I joined and I started going there to the conclaves and to do invocations of Thoth and these other deities we were taking. Um, Eucharist, but it was to o- Osiris, which has to do with Orion instead of Christ, and really there's so much Kabbalah involved that we're reading the Bible in Latin, and and the ritual room is like the temple, or supposed to at least represent the temple, or not the temple, um, the tabernacle, but um, it it was just. I I told myself now I'm a Christian, but an enlightened Christian. Um, And I just was in that. I was told I was moving up fast. I had so much pride, but I realized that the deeper I'm getting into this, I'm supposed to be gaining the secret knowledge. I'm with these like people that I thought were elite and powerful. And yet I'm more addicted than ever. I'm more wicked than ever. I have zero self-control and I was experiencing terrifying terrifying visions and real experiences abduction experiences physical harm and I was I was really scared and I felt um just kind of confused that that things were getting worse instead of better
1: wow um now this this must this uh masonic it sounds like it was like an esoteric freemasonry um i know there's all these offshoots um mm-hmm. and it was held at a masonic lodge
3: yes so um this specific order i believe it was the people who started it were freemasons and so it's a magical offshoot of freemasonry but it's not tech like I wasn't a Freemason only men can be Freemasons but I was this
1: okay um were were the just and this is just curiosity on my part were the leaders of this group part of the lodge the actual lodge is that how they had access or
3: I honestly don't know but um like our rituals And the symbolism of the Freemason ritual room was the same as our symbolism. Um, So they were definitely connected.
1: Okay. Yeah, I I was uh, um, brought into first degree Freemasonry. That was my last thing before I was converted. And I I quickly left it behind because I was starting to get weirded out as well. Mm -hmm. But... um, those rituals can be very powerful um you know i went into the masonic lodge wanting all of the esoteric side of it where you know most masons just want to do charity and and drink some beer with their friends right and then well this ritual stuff it's it's kind of like a frat part or you know being brought into a frat um I, i think for many freemasons that's the way they view it um but when I came into the Masonic lodge, they had a book or, or a bookcase that was locked up full of books. And they said, well, as you move up, you can take those. And I was really excited to take those. But um, I, I remember right after I was brought into the first degree and you know, I was kind of like just on this high from the ritual and I just remember one of these guys who didn't really seem like he was into the esoteric side, but he just came up to me. And he's like, "Oh, the rituals just get better and better, um, you know." And again, you you see, you see how with these things, um, you know, fallen men think mm-hmm. they are finding truth. I, I like the way you put it too. You you kept drinking, but you were more and more thirsty. Mm -hmm. um in fact you felt more parched the more you drank um and in masonry from my understanding every level up up the chain you enter in what are you here for and you know you say you're seeking light and then every degree above more light more light more light um but as christians we can say we we have the light because jesus is the light of the world and he isn't found through these esoteric um, rituals um, or, you know, these symbols he, he's found in the word and in um, the, the simple, visible words of baptism in the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what then, from my understanding, you were converted. How long was it after you were brought into this, um, a cult group hmm. until you were converted and what did that look like
3: I believe I was in it for almost 2 years and while I was in it doing those rituals and I'm so glad you said that about seeking the light because that is such a huge part of the rituals in our order is or the order that I was in is that you go and you you're going into the darkness to to gain the light of knowledge And it's all about light. You're seeking light in the darkness. Um, But just, so I had been reading the Bible. I'd also been reading other religious texts thinking I'm gaining all this knowledge, but I read parts of the Bible. And um, first it was that I was having these experiences while I was having these visions, like while taking Eucharist, to Osiris, thinking that I'm actually getting closer to Christ, because Osiris is the true Christ, and um, kind of like in Zeitgeist, when it says, oh, all these other um, religious figures are actually just, Christ is a copy, and so I believed that, and I thought that I was actually getting to know the true Christ, and that Christianity was wrong, and as I'm doing this Eucharist, I have this vision kind of that Christ is inside of me and any darkness on me, like, can't out uh, darken that light or something. And so I'm thinking I'm having these visions and I'm getting closer to Christ, not realizing just like I thinking even what, um, would have said, like, even if we or an angel preaches a different gospel, let him be a curse. Like it, even if an angel were to come to me and give me a vision that's contrary to the gospel, like that, that's not something to listen to and the importance of testing the spirits. But I didn't know that, or if I did, I wasn't, I didn't care. But when I read just, I read that you can tell a tree by its fruit and I did not really know what that meant, but the teachers in my order, like I loved them. I still love them. They're just really lost people like I was and would be without God's grace. But I was amazed that, okay, they're supposed to be so high up in the secret order. And yet I know that they're just as depraved as I am. Um, and that just kind of put like a pebble in my shoe as I've heard them say, where it just kind of, now it's like wearing away at me as I'm there, I'm thinking, okay, um, it's not working for them. We're supposed to have the power over the universe, but, but like these higher ups, I know they're struggling with addiction. So how are you like transmuting light into darkness for the universe like it just didn't compute um and then i read that satan masquerades himself as an angel of light and that really hit me because i i'd never read that or at least um the the spirit was starting to illuminate um i was just starting to understand at least some of the scripture, like my eyes was, were being opened and I just thought, okay, I'm thinking this can't be bad because we're shining light and it's like a light bearer. And then I'm like, wait a minute, um, that's not good because deep down, I thought Satan was behind it from my experience when I was young and my experiences and how terrifying they were even then. But I, I really felt that specialness, that familiarity, that this is my calling I didn't want to let it go. And that was just like, oh no, but I was so prideful. I mean, I was so prideful that I just was like, well, this is who I am and I'm good at this. So I'm just going to keep going. Cause maybe it's not that bad. And then I remembered just randomly in my studio apartment that Genesis three and that the lie that led to the fall of man is that if you eat from the, from the tree, from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. And I was there with the duality of light and darkness. And you need to learn the darkness and the light. And I was, I just knew that was literally exactly what I was doing, that it was leading to the fall in my life, that it was a lie from Satan. And I I just, I knew, okay there's no denying now like god's word is true which i think i knew deep down the whole time because i had that weight of the wrath of god like i was terrified i felt like this weight that of my sin but just trying to explain it away i needed to think more positive thoughts i needed to only think good things or else i'd attract the bad things and and it just it's a mess um but i knew and but i still kept going in it because I was rebellious and wicked. And one night I was just walking across my studio apartment. It was just like any other night of my life. And I was spiritually attacked and I fell to my knees and it just felt like my soul was being sucked out of me, totally out of my control into just complete darkness. And I heard myself cry, Jesus Christ save me. And I meant it. And it shocked me kind of to hear myself say that as like my my knee jerker. But in that moment, it was like God, like and I knew it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the God of the Bible had delivered me, had saved me from that darkness. And I had peace that I had wanted my entire life, but never felt like I had the peace that I'd always been looking for. And I knew that everything that I'd been doing was actually sin against the actual only God. And I was like shaking, like crazy and terrified. I had a Bible under my bed that I'd kept there because of the terrible experiences I'd been having that were scary. And I got it out and I just started reading it. And I really thought that I knew better. I thought I had the secret knowledge, but as I was reading it, like it, Satisfied me. It was like for the first time, I was drinking and being truly satisfied, and I recognized it as true, and it was just so refreshing. And so I, I just kept reading. I was still going to the order. I still thought I could have both, um, but by the time I finished the Bible, um, I, I realized that I'd changed on the inside out. And that stunned me because I used to do hours of works, meditation, rituals, all these things that were supposed to transmute my darkness and delight. And and it all seemed to work, the law of attraction and all these things, but really it was like a vapor. Like it wasn't, it was, it was a a delusion, like it it was deceptive. It wasn't really doing anything, but I had done literally nothing to deserve. Salvation at all. I just had faith, and God and His living Word had changed me, and that blew my mind. Um, For the first time in my life, I knew I could get sober. I genuinely, like, never thought I would be able to be sober, and it it floored me that wow, I I can I can do this as long as I have God. I I can do this. Um, so I just locked myself away, isolated myself and got sober. And the Lord was just so amazingly gracious to just like speak to me through his word when I was just so low and he was just so gentle and amazing. And, um, I got sober and I was still going to the order, but uh, the Lord, like it was definitely a process of, um, the Lord sanctifying me and, and just revealing to me the sin. Um, but after time I ended up going to finding a Bible teaching church where the pastor faithfully, um, sat with me and walked me through when I would just go thinking I I knew better. He was just so patient and, and didn't budge on this is the word of God. Um, and it is true. And, um, by God's grace, I got to the point where I, told the order that I, I have to leave. This is, you know, wrong. And I was baptized.
1: Praise God. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yes.
1: Amazing. Yeah, I, I think that sometimes when we think about apologetics and evangelism, we downplay the objective reality that the word can do its work apart from all of our techniques our techniques are great our formulas for how to get into conversations how to present the gospel you know those have their place but um, with me as well it was simply me um, finding some things online um, that first introduced me to Christianity introduced me to the Bible. And, um, then it was a sermon Ray comforts hell's Mm -hmm. best secret is when I, after hearing that I understood the gospel and believed a few months prior, I had prayed the sinner's prayer, uh, similar to what you said, but it wasn't spontaneous. It was, you know, pray this prayer. And, um, I can tell you when, when I went to pray that prayer, I felt the forces of darkness, just do not do that. Mm -hmm. You better not um but we often think that people get converted and often it does happen that way people get converted by someone evangelizing them or doing friendship evangelism but the word of god can come to somebody and grab a hold of them right here you were just reading the bible next to your occult practices and then the spirit worked giving you conviction and giving you true enlightenment, um, and you know, I think it's an encouragement to us as Christians to, you know, there, there is a place to, I don't know, be leaving tracks around. <laughs> and uh, one of my best friends, uh, he does um, abortion ministry. He's actually there in Phoenix. Um, he's pretty well known. I think he found a track on the ground, a tract, and he read it, and he was converted um you know no no person was involved with you know preaching to him or anything again not mm-hmm. seeing that that's a that it's bad to do that um so how how long have you been a believer now
3: about five years
1: five years okay Yes. and so now you are from what I think I saw you're a worship leader now and involved in it looks like it's a solid ministry there
3: Yes, I go to Redeemer Bible Church and I'm very thankful to be on staff and just, that's just so kind of God to be around such solid Bible preaching pastors and, and just members and be there all day, just soaking it all in. I feel like a sponge because I'm just so amazed by God, but I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because I recently just was talking to someone who knows someone that they love, that's in starting to get into these orders, magical occult orders, and um, kind of asking me from my experience what this person needs to know to reach that person. And I was just remembering one of the biggest things was my grandpa just visited out of nowhere. I hadn't seen him in years. He sat me down, asked me what my relationship with God was like at that time. I was so prideful saying, I'm reading all these, you know, texts and I'm doing all this stuff and I know God better than ever. I'm closer with God than ever, which I really believed. And he just said, you're wrong. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except through him, which I'm sure I'd heard before, but, but that shook me. And Mm I, I couldn't believe I was so mad at him. I never wanted to talk to him again. I couldn't believe he had the nerve to say that and be so ignorant but it didn't matter what I thought because God's word doesn't return void but it accomplishes what he will successfully and it and it it convicted me when I when I continued going to the Freemason Lodge and I was there his word was convicting me and just that it wasn't and I'm sure that in some people's lives having someone who's been there and and can get into the weeds of it um, is helpful and in bringing them to the gospel but ultimately um the gospel the gospel is the power of god to salvation for everyone who believes and it's the gospel and it's god's word that convicted me of sin and that led me to repentance and belief it wasn't it wasn't some deep you know esoteric and and getting into these crazy things and just that ultimately what 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 ended up getting me out of it was just people faithfully gently, but boldly sharing God's word. And I think that especially um, if you've never, you know, been in the occult, it can be, and even if you have, it can be intimidating because there are those spiritual forces of darkness at work. But the reality is it's God's word. That's true. Everyone needs Jesus. He is the only savior and it's the gospel. That's the power of God to salvation. So just the importance of like, if you go armed with the word of God and the gospel, like that's, that's all you need
1: sufficient you know right it's sufficient and those little nuggets too like that one man who told you that that you know only Jesus is the way the truth and the life right um a, a very short part of a conversation can stick with somebody um so again we we often get wrapped up with uh, you know we need to be so sophisticated but I, I think your everyday Christian is equipped to you know, pl- plant these truth nuggets, yes. <laughs> truth bombs in people's in people's minds. And again, when you have an open Bible, that that that's key um, yes. in in sharing the truth with people. Amen. Um, when when you were just curious, when you were converted from from occultism, what? Was there any doctrine, biblical doctrine that first grabbed a hold of you? Um, Where you were like, wow, like that changes everything.
3: Mm. Well, I really do think it was just that there is no other savior that Mm. God isn't. um, And really the simplicity of the gospel that, that it it, like the power and just, it's a simple truth and. I would get so caught up in the intricacies and I need to be so puffed up in knowledge. I was so proud of all that I knew, but I'm just amazed by God's wisdom and just the simplicity of the gospel that, and also that it wasn't this allegorical mystic, deeper meaning symbolism thing. It's just like Jesus is, is Lord and, and he, he died on a cross for our sins to bear the wrath of God in place of us. Like that's it that took me time because those lies in my mind of the mystical, really Kabbalah, um, like, yeah. And I'm just so, I'm just really amazed by the truth of it. And that, that, that is what saved me. And I didn't need any more all that time.
1: Right on. Yeah, I can remember after I was converted, I think in the similar vein of just um, God's truth being straightforward, mm-hmm. um, that that impacted me. And then I can even remember, I, I was never somebody that was ever really like impressed with nature, or the natural world or anything like that. Um, I was obviously with the occult, you're looking for experiences, you're looking for signs like you said, that that's what you're looking for in your experience of the world. But I can remember after I was converted, just sitting there and looking at a tree and marveling at the beauty of it, being God's handiwork, and just this concept of creation and general revelation. I don't need a sign, the signs are right in front of me, right? The, the, you know, this tree, the sun, moon, and stars, um, Psalm 19 um right the the christian faith is is a faith that grounds you in reality whereas i think people listening from the outside to this conversation you can see how that occultism it pulls you from reality um all while making you think you're about to find something Mm -hmm. um nate and nick do you do you guys have anything
2: i got lots of questions colin
1: (laughs) (laughs) do you okay
2: so how do and i'm sure it's different from cult to cult but generally speaking um, are they typically really do they have a strong hatred for conservative biblical christianity or are they kind of just like yeah as long as they're not invading our territory we don't really care what anybody else does
3: In my experience, they, um, it's almost just like uh, looking down on like an ignorant and, and really kind of pushing that in. But it, it really did seem like all other religions are a worthy path, but Christianity is really oppressive or it's really like holds you back because you're trying, they're trying to control you. And, and that amazes me because it's such a, a flip of the truth. Um, but that's what I experienced.
1: Yeah, I, I, I see both. It really just depends on what, what kind of cult it is or the movement. I think with many of them, there is a sense of, hey, if your philosophy is live and let live, I don't have a problem with you. Um, but I think their honest assessment of Christian beliefs are that they're very shallow um that it was at least my perception of christianity but it was not a well-informed perception um you know we're looking here at 2001 to about 2003 um when i was converted and that was the heyday of you know the purpose-driven life and uh you know this just kind of bland mega church christianity that wasn't very deep and that's all i was exposed to so I would have never thought that the types of things I know now as a seminary educated pastor that Christianity had anything interesting to say um you know like like you can find in our creeds and in our theologians
0: right right
2: I only ask because um I dated a girl we have this village it's a couple hours away from where we live but I think it's called Lilydale or something up in New York and it's a village of psychics it's just this little I, I hesitate to call it a town but it's almost like a park area where there's a bunch of little houses and it's a city of psychics and there's cats everywhere so on and so forth anyway
1: I cats. I love cats
2: I think it was because like ancient Egyptians had cats and they warded off evil spirits or something <clears throat> if I recall but um yeah, it was weird. Anyway, so I date. It was in high school, and I was dating a girl, and um, I. It was about the time that God was drawing me to Himself, and I was becoming very discontented with my sin, and um, like the psychic took one look at me, it would not let me come into her house. So I just hung out outside, and my girlfriend came out and was like, "The psychic said that you're like the meanest." nastiest person in the whole world and you're a terrible human being. I was like, oh <laughs> <laughs> like I just didn't know if that was like some like um you know like uh had a spiritual component or if it's just all hooah and that lady just didn't like me. I, I just you all are the only people I know who have been in this space so I don't know if that's like well, normative I, I,
0: that they the next question is did this psychic hate him or not it's been killing him to know if she hated him for any good reason or it
1: was hysterical
0: she possible. like hated
1: me it, it's possible I, I actually after i was converted um across from the community college where i, I went to school there was a, a wicca occult a store that i used to go into and i just decided to step in there after i was in, converted and I remember one of these witchy women, I went and stood next to her and she freaked out and said she was having visions. And then she ran and back as did the rest of them, um, which I kind of thought was interesting. So yeah, w- where people are, you know, under the power of the forces of darkness, mm-hmm. I-, I have no doubt that they um, can be sensitive to the presence of someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit right um there's plenty of and, biblical evidence for
3: that and ultimately especially if they're communing with demons um like demons know who christ is and they hate him so i'm not surprised
2: <laughs> yep all right i got another one for you so back in my <laughs> earlier high school days i attended this hyper liberal church and we used to go on youth retreats and stuff and there was this guy from another church that we would do youth retreats with. And he was a leader. But, like, he came with all of his tarot cards and stuff and all this crazy nonsense. And it blew our minds because, like, he could tell us things that, like, we believed he had no way of knowing about all these people. And um, one of the most interesting things that happened to me was he said that he had a friend who was a demon now i don't remember if he said he wasn't dwelt by this thing or whatever it was but its name was puck and then uh so whatever a bunch of weird stuff happened around this guy and that would that would be a whole podcast episode in and of itself i think but later on i go to bible college and i run into this guy who lives across the country from me and all this stuff and we get to talking about similar experiences and he's like oh yeah i knew this weird guy who like said he knew an entity called puck and it like blew my mind because i was like what like puck and um so i i guess uh have you ever heard of this entity puck or you know what's 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 all that about was that like just a crazy coincidence or what do you guys think
3: I have not, but I definitely, I'm just amazed at how real the spiritual realm is and those forces. And I do think demons are real and um, I don't know how they interact personally with different people, but I don't think that's impossible. Um, But I'm also, that made me think about how there are certain Christian organizations that are doing things with tarot and angel cards and kind of like Christian tarot. And it's just, it's not Christianity at that point. And it, it's very sad when the, those kind of churches do that because they're welcoming in these occult practices, they're welcoming in that spiritual um, darkness. And it's it's really upsets me <laughs> coming from not um, a christian life and then seeing that in the church and it's so clearly not christianity um, and just the holiness like of of jesus's church it's upsetting that that goes on
0: right did you pretty sure it, israel
1: yeah. i'm pretty sure israel did that and it got them in a lot of trouble
0: right
3: <laughs> yes
0: hanging out with puck <laughs> everywhere uh do you have any more nick
2: i mean i could go on for a while but uh no i'll i'll give you the stage nate yeah we're just like
1: we can do a whole episode on the nephilim you can hold the nephilim questions
2: (laughs) dude my pastor will have to be on that episode and you can talk with him he's (laughs) he's got he's got a lot better things to say than i do and that'd be a fun listen but
0: yeah, I guess I'll just kind of do it Nick did and ask you guys about some weird experiences I had and see what you think about it since you guys are kind of experts, um, <clears throat> experientially, I guess you could say. Well, Jack, you were, I guess you know, pretty knowledgeable with the book, so we can credit you with that, right? But uh, so, um, have you guys ever used like the Ouija board things? Um, yes. So, okay, I, I had this experience once um, where, it was um, to the best of my memory, using those with some people, um, I genuinely think the thing moved on its own uh, without us moving it. But what was weird is people would ask the Ouija board questions, and it was almost like I would uh, give the answers, like spell things out in my head but like my hand would go, like I wasn't moving it. No one else was moving it, but it'd like do exactly like what my brain was kind of like leading it to go to like, yes, no, or spell out names, like information I knew. Is that something like I opened myself up to and allowed someone to kind of like use me as a mediator of like information? Is that possible? Or is that something real?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely real. Even in the old Testament, it talks about mediumship and, and that kind of thing. Um, With the Ouija board, I'm sure that there are times that people move it on their own to mess with people, or maybe there's some kind of, I don't know if psychosomatic is a word, but some kind of like thing that we're doing. But ultimately, when you're actually channeling in the actual occult, it's not all that much different than what you're doing with the Ouija board. Um, And so I definitely think it's, definitely possible that you were opening up yourself to that, especially if you wanted to have that experience. Just, I think about um, in James, when it talks about being lured away and enticed by our own lusts, like ultimately we, we want some, some kind of supernatural experience. Um, And so, yeah, I, the enemy is all too happy to deceive us. And when we're deceived into these supernatural occult things, usually the first thing to be questioned or usurped is the deity of christ and the belief in christ um which always amazes me but short answer yes i definitely think that's possible um so yeah
0: thank you Con, did you have anything to add no just yeah th- those things are
1: not those things are not a game right, right. um you know I, I think there's some things that that are questionable Um, I think that a lot of the like, um, you know, people can debate the more secularized side of yoga. That's just workouts. Mm -hmm. um, But especially once you're getting into the meditative side of it. Um, And then I've even heard, again, heard of churches, you know, women's retreats doing Christian yoga. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think people are just not realizing the roots of, of those practices and the fact that when you do those things it's like turning on an antenna you know these principalities and powers have been using these techniques through with people for thousands of years when you turn on that switch they're used to you know coming towards it and working through it Um, So whether it's a Ouija or or any of these other things, even certain forms of contemplative prayer um, that have been brought into certain sectors of the church that mirror more of like an Eastern monastic approach to prayer. Um, Yeah, I I think there's a a real danger there. If someone's truly converted, I I don't think they can be possessed, but Mm -hmm. you can end up opening doorways that um, you'll you'll regret opening. Mm -hmm
0: yeah i guess that would kind of tie into my second question i had was so when i first became a christian i was like you know before i kind of i guess you could say found better doctrine and and biblical teaching I, i was really you know because of how i grew up i kind of grew up in a more charismatic environment in church um so when i got saved i thought that that was mainly what christianity was um so I got like really involved with kind of like Bill Johnson, like Bethel Church, a lot of those kind of things. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this was coming, but I had to ask. Like, what's your guys' thought on a lot of the the? I guess you could kind of. I don't know. I guess this the the Bethel Church kind of movement. It's a it's a pretty huge, uh, popular, uh, mainstream kind of thing going on that I used to be in quite a bit. used to go to a lot of the events and the healing things and the prophecy events and all that stuff i i had some strange experiences in that Uh, i don't know if you guys ever heard of the kundalini spirit Mm. um i've seen people almost like having seizures on the floors i've seen i've been uh like blown on like just like gusts like almost like someone like blowing like nothing was around me and i could feel blowing on me i don't know what that is maybe you guys know but like What what, i guess i'll shut up a little now and just say the question but but what what's your guys' thoughts on is these occultic or new age kind of things kind of possibly invading like a lot of these kind of church things like the the whole like you know i see these guys that go out on like these economic treasure hunt things and they go Mm -hmm. and try to find people in walmart and like follow trails like all these weird things and then you know trying to pray for people telling people god loves them what what's the deal with all that
1: um well i, I lived in reading for two years oh, um wow. i was doing pulpit supply for a church up there and so that's that's where Redding, uh, reading california is yeah. where that church is at and um i i think with a lot of these churches um the average person that actually attends the church might not be in all the weird stuff. It's just another mm-hmm. mega church where they found some community and they just, you know, whatever, just don't get into a lot of the stranger things. I did meet some people who attended that just seemed like normal normal Christians, um, at least in the things they talked about and they, they never seemed to really uh, get into that. That being said, the movement itself, the Bethel movement, which transcends just Bethel Church, is centered on all of that. And they were even banned from coming to the mall in Reading because they would do that. They would do these treasure hunts where they just you know, walk up to strangers and disrupt their shopping experience saying they're going to grow their leg or whatever. Um, and so the, the mall actually banned them from coming there and doing that. Um, but what you do see with so much of this is it is just baptized occultism. Um, that's what it is. its is. You're, you're putting yourself under spiritual forces. Um, there's even talk of contact with angels um, or the, the Holy Spirit as like this blue entity. I think I saw one woman talking about at, at Bethel. So if you strip away all the biblical language, it's not gonna sound too different from what Jack is saying with with her background. It's all of that just with biblical language attached to it. Um, So so with a lot of that weirdness, that's that's what I see. And I do think a lot of it is rooted in the Kundalini stuff. Um, In fact, if you look at what Eastern gurus have done uh, examples of where they'll touch someone with a feather and then they'll pass out and you know convulse. It looks exactly like Benny Hinn. You know Benny Hinn just you know pretends like he's throwing a ball at you or, or whatever. Um, and um, there's parallels between between some of this Eastern mysticism with some of this extreme charismatic stuff.
3: Right. And I'm so glad that you brought that pastoral heart to that. Not everyone there believes that, I'm sure. And um, I'm sure there are truly converted people there, but probably in spite of the doctrine that's being taught there, not because of it. um, I see just so much, at least from what I've seen online of Bethel, I've never been there, but just so much that's so familiar to me from not just the new age, but even in the ritual room, in a Freemason Lodge of people being encouraged to laugh hysterically and act like animals, which I mean, I've yet to find in the Bible um, that going on and that it just looks a lot more like occultism. And then even the treasure hunts, I have friends that came out of that Um, hyper charismatic I don't want to demonize um, just charismatic but this hyper charismatic sensationalized that is not biblical and if we're always seeking to hear from God how do I hear from God is God's word not sufficient is it not inerrant why are we looking for this extra biblical revelation and the enemy is so quick to deceive us um, when we're longing to hear just from anyone guide me. It's that is opening asking to be deceived in my opinion because that kind of being led by signs and this and that is exactly what I experienced in a demonic way. And so it's just really opening up yourself. I don't see a precedent for doing that in scripture. And again, God's word is sufficient. We can God speaks to us clearly. He gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Um, and so I'm just very thankful, like Kosti Hen um, Benny Hinn's nephew, um, has a lot of good resources on just kind of what he experienced in, um, being, you know, side by side with Benny Hinn and just kind of, I don't like the word exposing, but just comparing that to scripture, um, which can be hard, but, I'd much rather know what, what God's word actually is instead of just being deceived in kind of the excitement of it. And I get that those supernatural experiences seem more exciting, but but it's easy to be deceived when you're opening yourself up to looking for things outside of scripture and ways for God to talk to you, but you're not testing the spirits.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful. I appreciate that because there's been times where it's it definitely like these words of knowledge and things, they, they seem like, like they're it's real like it's i'm not saying like maybe some people fake it and stuff but there's definitely been times where it doesn't seem fake you know what i mean and it's like and i i remember going through those experiences where it's almost kind of like that gnostic kind of gnosis thing where it's like oh like they have this gift like i want to be able to walk Mm -hmm. walk by people and my shadow like heal somebody and like or you want to like yeah like peter you know i think it is when an axe when he walks by people lay him out and his shadow would heal people or something i could be paraphrasing a bit but but i was like man like and there, i was with a group of guys where we would just like chant over someone's like finger the grow back and just like weird stuff like we were getting into it's like yeah sometimes you know it's, it was kind of like a mix of like the secret that law of attraction thing kind right. of like just mass christianity a bit but I, yeah i would agree i would i would not say that you know to all our listeners i'm not saying that all charismatics um participate or do all those things um you can't you know i'm not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater with that uh, there's a lot of good charismatic brothers and sisters um, yeah <clears throat> so yeah i guess that was my i guess probably my only two questions that i could come up with right now but
1: all right well i think um uh in closing um, I just wanted to read from the Heidelberg Catechism. Um, question one, I, I find this catechism question and answer to be a comfort. Uh, it begins saying, what is your only comfort in life and in death? For those of you listening don't know what the Heidelberg Catechism is, it's the, um, um, it was written in 1561 in Germany, early in the Reformation. It's one of the early Reformed catechisms. And um, those who are Dutch Reformed or German Reformed still hold to it. Um, But um, it says, What is your only comfort in life and in death? It says that I, with body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and redeemed me from all the power of the devil. And so preserves me that without the will of my father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that all things must work together for my salvation. Wherefore, by his Holy Spirit, he assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live unto him. And, you, you know, I think we can talk about these things. And, you know, there's one part of us that um as christians we we say praise god right to hear these testimonies of people being delivered from the darkness there's also i think a a little bit of intrigue because we all like a a scary story and most people don't get into this stuff at least not right now i think that'll change in the in the future Um, and sometimes you can walk away from a conversation like this and you can even be a little scared right because you hear about things you've never heard about before, um, right? It's sort of like when you watch that scary movie and then you walk away and, and you think uh, there's something waiting around the corner for you. Um, but as Christians, we, we have the hope and the promise that not only are all of our sins forgiven um, through the blood of Christ, um, because he took the penalty that we deserve so now we are reconciled to God, but a corollary to that is that now we are free from the power of the devil. Um, the devil is the accuser, um, but since our sins are forgiven, he no longer has anything to accuse us of. Um, and Christ, as our, our mediatorial king and prophet and priest, um, he intercedes for us. He keeps us. He protects us. Um, and when I asked you earlier, Jack, about you know certain doctrines that might have impacted you right when you were converted, I'm sure that everything I just said, <laughs> those are the things that that, wow, I don't need to perform rituals. I don't need all I need is is my Bible, prayer, communing with Christ in these things and I'm secure. I, I'm protected from harm. and anything that does happen to me, happens according to his will
3: yes
0: yeah that's excellent so i guess jack in closing what 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 encouragement would you like to leave our listeners with maybe you know maybe it's somebody that's in this stuff uh you could speak to that or maybe it's someone that maybe this can relate with a lot of your struggles personally with identity issues and Mm -hmm. you know the abuse you went through and and a lot of these things i know there's a lot of probably not just guys that listen, but I know there's women that listen to our podcast that, that probably struggle with a lot of things like you do. And we really appreciate you being able to talk about these things specifically with us to help our listeners to know that they're not alone, um, to know that, uh, though they might not be able to relate with every little detail. There's probably some things that stand out that, you know, other people have experienced, you know, I know you, I know you mentioned like cutting and um, and you know the identity issues and and feeling insecure and all those kind of things. I guess just what what encouragement would you like to leave uh, people that maybe are going through some of these things that you the Lord's delivered you and helped you with?
3: Well, that Christ is truly the only Savior. There is salvation in no other name. Um, there's no other way to God except through Jesus and you can search anywhere um, in any religion and you will never find another savior. There's only Jesus. And not just the Jesus of how you want to think of him, but truly the Jesus in the Bible. And so I just encourage you to read the Bible for yourself. Um, start in the gospel, start in John. Um, really, it's there's no bad Bible, but just to be in the scriptures and to get a good idea of who God truly is Um, is so important. And just to remember this life is truly a vapor, but eternity is forever and eternity with God is so exciting. So just to really get to know who Jesus is, get to know who this savior is and cling to him and look to him because no matter what, there's so many things in this world that seem so alluring or they promise peace or they promise satisfaction, but they will never fill you. They will never fill that void. They will leave you emptier because they're deceiving. Um, it's a lie and it, it'll never work, but, but drink from Christ and the living water and you will be satisfied. And God is so good. Um, he who is in you, if you're a Christian is greater than he who's in the world. So if you're coming out of this, You don't need to fear the darkness anymore. Um, You don't need to fear what you were in before you're washed clean um, in Christ's blood. You're made a new creation in him. Um, The oldest passed away and the newest here. And so you can really rejoice in that and walk in newness of life, but just truly to, um, to commune with God in prayer, talk to him and to be in his word um, and to just have a deeper love for Jesus Christ, because ultimately Um, he's who we will spend eternity with after this. There's so much joy in him. He's the true redeemer and there's no one, no one is too far gone too far in the darkness to be delivered by Christ. Um, he is the Lord of all, and he is the Lord of you.
0: Amen. Thank you so much for that, Jack. And, um, yeah, so I guess that will, unless anyone has anything else you'd like to comment quick as we're finishing this recording Nick, um, you had any last words before we close it out um, i'll give you an I, opportunity uh,
2: yeah just want to say thank you jack for being with us uh really awesome testimony and episode and I'm sure it'll
1: help a lot of people
3: yay thank you guys so much for having me it was truly a joy
0: amen all right well without further ado this was jack marino with rooted in revelation podcast until next time god bless